This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Coco. Does Pixar do it again? Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe, as at the last minute needed to go to work. Uh, So, that's where things are now, and Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back to the other fun movie topics. This is episode 308, 308, and the main feature for this week is Coco, the latest film from Pixar. And joining me tonight to talk to Coco, we have, from Endor Express, always grabbing a photo opportunity, so remember him. It's David, yeah. David? Oh, sorry. I said, hey, how's it going? I was on mute. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that before. I did a whole, like funny intro and it was so hey how's it going <laughs> also joining us from fast film reviews he holds the skeleton key to escape it's mark hoban hi everyone and from a bar in north carolina he just crossed the marigold bridge it's alan aguilera hola como están todos esta noche <laughs> how are the three of you doing tonight very well i'm good yeah very well good all right glad to have you all here and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get to some show notes stuff real quick. Uh, first dun, dun, up, dun, dun, dun. iTunes reviews and ratings is good to get those. Helps out the show. Helps out people find the show. If you want to log into iTunes, search for Out Now there and Abe. That'd be great. Give us a star rating. Awesome. Give us a written review. That'd be cool too. Pop us up in the iTunes charts. Get us past some some other <laughs> friends of the shows with podcasts. Um, I like to rib Tyler from Battleship Retention every now and then. We tell we talk about this sometimes, but yeah, it, it, you know, helps out the show. And thank you in advance. What else? Um, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. It's a week after tea day at this point, but, um, we all call it tea day, right? That's a thing. Is that what we do? I do. I call it tea Thanksgiving day and I watch Tom Hanks movies. There you go. <laughs> Works out. What else? It's almost December, which means we'll have a new commentary track. And because in December we now do Star Wars movies every December, that's, that's what you can expect uh, for this next month's commentary track, which would be a lot of fun to do. And, um, yeah, there should be some other bonus content coming down the pike as well, especially because we have so many, so many movies coming out these days as far as smaller stuff, and we can't quite get to all of it all the time. So we'll, we'll just see what happens, but it should be fun. And, yeah, with that, let's move on. Let's get to know everybody. Rich, we, we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, or better get to know everybody. I, th- I thought one of the three of you might join in, <laughs> but there we are. <laughs> That, that those aren't the ones you know, that I'm good at. I don't do that one. <laughs> Usually that's Abe and you, and uh, you stay out of it. <laughs> I, I put it out there, and this is where we are. So that, that's just where we're gonna have to get. We can re-record it. We, oh, we can, can we? It's not the same. It's not the same. Let's do it. Let's do it again. Here we go. <laughs> and that's how we get to know everybody. everybody. I may edit around that. I may not. We'll see how it turns out. But um. I have a question for you guys. Are there any musicians in the family? Of any of you? Sure. Yes. What? <laughs> I mean, we're not good, but... You know. I, I mean, I took piano lessons when I was a child, but I didn't keep up with them. I played bass after high school for a while. I learned every Weezer song on uh, Blue and Pinkerton. David, you said yes? Yeah, I was in. Uh, I was a total band geek in uh, high school, college. Played, uh, started with a trumpet, went to trombone, somebody drank something, and uh, played a euphonium, which is something that Ooh. I don't think anybody knows what it is. But uh, Oh, I want yeah. to, let's, let's wiki link click on that one. What's a euphonium? Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, all you Currently do, googling all you euphonium. Is, uh, watch Brass Dog. Oh, it looks like Ewan a McGregor. tuba. Yeah, it's like a little tuba, and they they played in the the Ewan McGregor movie Brass Off. <laughs> they actually There's get mad at people. Yeah, they actually get mad when the uh, people wonder what it is. It's a bloody euphonium. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna start saying that in everyday speech now. I'm just gonna cover that word. <laughs> that could be a good drink too. The euphonium. <laughs> Blood, the bloody euphonium. All right. Well, good. That's <laughs> we've we've adequately covered this. So that's how you play. No, no everybody. everybody. No everybody. <laughs> no everybody. We're crushing this, guys. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> let's get out of quickies. TM. TM. Hey. Ooh. See. Competition. Competition go. now. Look at us go. That was faster. Each one can now know. We talked about we out of quickies. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. All right. <laughs> Since let's start with David. David, have you seen any other movies this week? I saw. I revisited Cars Three with my nephew. Yeah, which you were on that show with us to talk Cars Three. Yeah, yeah. I'm like the Pixar guy, go-to guy. I really like that movie. Still, you know, it's maybe not as powerful or moving as I initially thought, but I think it still works, and I think it's the. Uh, it's still very entertaining for kids. Ka-chow. He was glued. <laughs> Ka-chow. Ka-chow, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. I'm glad, I'm glad Cars 3 is holding up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm one of the few that actually loves that franchise, even as a you know grown man. But uh, Hey, you know. as you know, Abe and I famously like Cars 2 quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in your camp. I'm, I'm a defender of Cars 2. It's Two. perfectly adequate. Is what the what the, what the tagline should say on the <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> it was a rave review. Yeah. if I ever heard one. Perfectly adequate. Yeah, if you ignore Mater and how annoying he is, it's perfectly adequate. See, that's the pro- That's the thing. I don't get annoyed by Mater and Cars too, which is why I think it's perfectly adequate. <laughs> yeah, that's his character. It's, it's, that's the way it is. So you're watching, and then like Cars Three is like we we have the the least amount of Mater possible in this movie. Yeah, it's like if uh, the Attack of the Clones went full Jar Jar, and then people were mad at it for that. But it, but it was still bad anyway. Uh, so you watched Cars Three again? Did did you watch? The, were there any special shorts on the Cars Three Blu-ray? No, it was just uh, Lou. You know that uh, Lost and Found oh, okay. short. Yeah, well, which cool. is it's just fine. It's a good one. It's right. not a my favorite, but uh, yeah. All right. Well, Alan, how about you? Have you seen any of the movies this week? Um, nothing new. I revisited Captain America Civil War, and I just watched a bunch of TV stuff, like the Punisher series, and on Thanksgiving, we all watched The Great British Bake Off, because that seemed the most American thing to do, you're watching and it the, was riveting. You're watching the Punisher series? Yeah, I did. I watched that. How, well, I'm like halfway done. How, how's that going for you so far? It is... It just feels like a military cop drama. It doesn't seem overly... MCU, if that makes sense. It's just like, hey, here's a by-the-numbers by type of drama about this dude that wants revenge on a, you know, the military-industrial complex, which I can get behind. It's fine. It's adequate. It's <laughs> you know, I don't hate it. It's not it's not the Defenders or Iron Fist. Um, I really like John Bernenthal in it, so he's keeping me enthralled, and supporting cast is pretty good. So, you know, it's good so far. Yeah, that basically describes all of my thoughts on The Punisher. It's like, it's yeah. nothing special, but it's like, well, it's there. <laughs> it's It has things I like in it. So yeah. I guess I guess there's another seven episodes I'll watch because of that. <laughs> so. 
I mean, honestly, it's weird. It's great. Uh, it's great to watch while you're folding laundry. I can, and then like just doing random stuff around that. It's it's one of those shows. It's it's fine. It's adequate. It's not holding my attention. I'm just you know waiting till the Crown season two and Black Mirror show up. So just to be clear, there's 13 hours of The Punisher, and you have that much laundry to do while it's on. I do laundry for the house. Okay. I, you know, right. I wash. I try to wash my bed sheets every week. You know, so. Um, no, but you know, sometimes I just sit here. I'm like, I guess I'll watch this for a while, or if I haven't, you know, 45 minutes here and there during the day, I was like, yeah, I'll throw this on. So I'll probably finish it in the next couple of days. Did you Did you see Justice League? I did. Okay. <laughs> and either you forgot it, or you're like, yeah, I don't have anything to say about it. <laughs> I didn't even want to mention it. I, <laughs> like, here's the thing: it is. It's not really. It's not a movie you watch. It's something you experience because you endure. What the? F- yeah, I was like, well. It's a step in a different direction. I'm not necessarily going to say it's the right direction, but you know, it's a movie that exists barely. Isn't it sad that like that's the kind of reality? Because like, like I like it. I think it's fun enough. But at the same time, it's like, shouldn't a Justice League movie you be like, man, I'm very excited to talk about a Justice League movie with you? But we're in a position where like, yeah, it happened. Like, mm. it. You know, they released it in the middle of November. They didn't even have the confidence to release it. They were scared of a Mexican boy with a guitar on Thanksgiving. So. I mean, how much confidence do they really have in it? It's like you. <laughs> I see all the people that like defend it and are getting all ramped up on you know on online or whatnot about the movie and like we it's it's amazing. What are you talking about? Critics suck. And it's like I wish I could have that enthusiasm for this movie. <laughs> I really do. I like. I want to like it more. <laughs> it's just nope. That's that's where we are. That's that's what happened. Nope. And... I save that enthusiasm for my John Wick movies. <laughs> there, well, there you go. That's it. All right, Mark. How about you? What have you seen recently? Yeah, um, well, I've seen quite a few movies. I, I'm going through my screeners right now, so I've seen a few things um, that like either aren't playing in wide release yet or may have not been released. But one thing I saw was The Breadwinner, which oh. is the latest uh, cartoon from Cartoon Saloon that did The Secret of Kells and Song of the Sea, which is about a little girl in Taliban-controlled Afghanistan whose father is arrested. And then it's sort of the steps she takes in order to try and secure his release. And it's very good. Um, it's definitely very downbeat, and it's a very serious uh, film. There's sort of – there's some uh, – without even going into the details of the plot, there are some connections that I saw in this movie and Mulan. But Mulan is much more lighthearted, and, and a, there, it's also – it's a musical, whereas um, The Breadwinner is, is not. And it, it's – but it, it does – deal with a culture that you don't normally see in animated movies and i think it's beautifully animated if you've seen the secret of kells or song of the sea yeah. you'll have sort of an idea of like the look of this film and and it, it is it's a really it's a nicely animated film yeah, so that, yes I, I recommend it yeah that's one that's and, playing near me currently and on and now we're we're gonna we're trying we hope to see it next week if it's still around which i hope it should be but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's i mean it's hard to say whether it could get a nomination for best animated feature but i i guess it's it's there is a possibility it could be. It seems like it can't. I mean, the Song of the Sea and uh, Secret of Kills both got uh, Oscar nominations right. too. Is right. Like, so I there's. I, I think the <laughs> expectation is that it will get a nomination. So. And you always get like the three mainstreams and like the two like outliers right. that are like. There's oh, always. There's some... also this movie that happens to be very good, but still, this no one saw this movie before. Right. And then I, I saw this also came out this uh, week, uh, The Man Who Invented Christmas, which is about Charles Dickens and writing the uh, A Christmas Carol. 
and uh, it's nice. It's uh, it's pleasant. I mean, I, I would I would give it a thumbs up, but I mean, I I wouldn't say that it's like the greatest thing I saw. But it does have a performance by Christopher Plummer, who plays Scrooge, who sort of pops up. It's about the writing of the book, but then Scrooge pops up as sort of like a muse to Charles Dickens as he's writing the book. It's sort of like a, a sort of an unconventional way of telling a Christmas story. Um, without actually telling it in the traditional way it's him writing it and then you see the the parts acted out around him and stuff um so it was i mean it's enjoyable i mean it's it's something you know that i I'd say if it if you see the trailer and you're like oh that looks really good then i would say go see it and, and if you watch the trailer and say oh that looks you know not like exciting then i would say you probably could wait i i also watched the man event of christmas on and i watched it on um Thanksgiving Eve, I guess, or the, the the night of Thanksgiving, we had the screen. I had the screener for it, and I agree with you. Like it's it's good. I I would say it's like you you gotta go see this movie. But at the same time, it's like it's an, it's a pleasant film, and I like Dan Stevens. I think Dan Stevens like he's proven to be quite versatile in my eyes. I right. think I've I, seen him I, in a I lot of expect, things. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't look at Dan Stevens and say, "Oh, you should play Charles Dickens." I know, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it's you know, like, but it worked. But he's like. In you know the past couple of years, he's like he's the guest. He's on right. the show Legion, which I really he, like. He's, he's in this. All over the he's, place. he's in all I mean, these. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's certainly he's getting out there, and he's like not just doing the same. Like it's another Dan Stevens role. It's like no, he's doing a lot of different types of things, which I you know I can always appreciate from an actor. Right. So and it's a it's a it's a nicely mounted production. And then uh, well, the final thing I'll mention is I saw I Tanya, which is the uh, mm-hmm. story starring Mark. Uh, Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding, and it's about the attack. It was ostensibly about the attack on ice skater Nancy Kerrigan, although it really has more to do with her whole upbringing and and sort of like how Tanya Harding became the way she was. And there's a very uh, showy role by Allison Janney as Tanya's mother, which is the kind of thing that probably it's already getting awards talk, and it is the kind of I mean actually Mark. Margot Robbie is also getting uh, yeah. talked, but uh, I, I do think Allison Janney is is more the sure thing because her role is so. Uh, it's just it's it really is um, noticeable. I I will say I know the movie is getting really like raves and everything, and I I think it was fine. It's very campy, and it takes a very um, it's interesting because they they take a subject that could you could find the humor in, but. Tanya Harding had a very sad life, and her mother is essentially horrible. I mean, she's, at least according to this movie, she's absolutely awful. So it, you kind of feel like, wow, I, it makes you feel sorry for Tanya Harding. I mean, and it doesn't – I actually, if if it's to be believed, she had a lot less to do with that attack than I had originally thought. Um, she was sort of drawn into it because she was associating with bad people, but she really didn't. I mean, according to this, it, it, it's actually not. Uh, it's not a hack job on Tanya Harding, although it it doesn't make it doesn't make her upbringing look good. Um, it was made with. She was a consultant on the film. I am aware of that. Was she? Okay. Yes. But it, it is. It's it's nasty enough about her that it, you would think that she might look at it and say, "Oh, I don't really like that." But um, it it is it treats Tanya Harding as more of a victim than as a an aggressor. Uh, and that was interesting. And then um, it also, if you had need a reference point, it reminded me a lot of uh, To Die For with Nicole Kidman. Yeah, it, has, yeah. it has that sort of, uh, sort of campy view of, of very serious events. Yeah, there's a lot of people that have compared it to like uh, Goodfellas or Scorsese stuff. And I... I get it's, where that I, I get where that comedy. I get yeah. where that comes from, 
But yeah, something like To Die For, a movie like 24 Hour Party People with Steve Coogan that I really love. I think there's a. Those movies kind of feel more around the speed that Titania's. I think we're going to have like a longer review on it at some point because it does open pretty soon and there's not much coming out in the next few weeks. So uh, I'm gonna... I, I do think I've seen, like, I lived through that event and I actually watched everything. I saw all the the news reports i saw the actual ice skating i saw the everything so I, i'm very i know that episode very well and it's hard for me to even look at margot robbie and see tanya harding despite the fact that I, I think she's doing as as the best job she possibly can but i just i'm constantly aware that that's margot robbie and not tanya harding so i i could not suspend disbelief uh in the movie although allison janney because i don't know tanya harding's mother I, I, she was like she became that person for me, and he, and even uh, Sebastian Stan plays Jeff Galuli. He's also I'm less familiar with him, so I thought he, he kind of disappeared into the role. But Marco Robbie, I never really saw Tanya Harding. I kept seeing Marco Robbie in the part, so it, it was a little bit. Um, I, I didn't quite get into the movie in the way that I think some p- other people have. All right, um, I've seen a few things as well. I mentioned the Man Who Invented Christmas. Um, I finally got to see the Florida Project, um, oh, which has been awesome. it's been like a while since that kind of came out and stuff. But uh, Anna and I were able to watch it because I have the screener for it, and it is very good. Um, I I wasn't not expecting this. I I think Sean Baker is a very talented filmmaker. He's made another great looking movie this time using film instead of an iPhone, and it it just it has a lot of great things in it. Uh, I know a lot of talks gone to Willem gone to Willem Dafoe and his performance, and he is very good in the movie. There are some very specific scenes that I called to as far as just how good he can be at playing a very natural role for someone that generally plays a quirkier, let alone villainous character. So it's like, this is a nice change of pace. Yes, um, he's great. And there there are plenty of other aspects of it, too. Um, and I, I want Abe to see it because I feel like we might have more to say in a future episode. But I do think it's quite good. And if you, if you can see it and if it's around, I'd certainly recommend seeing it. Um, speaking of screeners, I was able to watch Victoria and Abdul just this day. Uh, <laughs> I have that, but the, I haven't watched uh, the it The Judy Dench film directed by Stephen Frears where she plays like Queen Victoria. And there's an Indian emissary person or like servant guy that comes in they have like this friendship that was based off a true story that recently became uncovered it's terrible it is not a good movie <laughs> like it's terrible it's terrible it's the kind of movie that because judy dench is getting oscar talk of course she is and it's because and, it's I, judy and, dench. I, and i and i call and i call nonsense on this it's just Uh-oh. like it's such a is it's it such the a meryl streep effect it to an extent where but even meryl streep's movies don't tend to be terrible even if i'm not like even if like the iron lady is not like what i consider a great movie it's like oh i get it i get why you put this but this is just like such a let's just put judy dench in the queen role because why not that'll probably work she does everything like that and then just have this story about how she's so nice to the indian person and then there's random drama and hey let's be you know let's be cool to each other message and it's just like there's nothing to this movie it's such a bland waste of time and i but because it has this prestige air to it because stephen frears does this kind of thing and you have judy dench involved it just automatically automatically gets thrown into the situation it's like are we like assessing any of these movies? Because this is just one of them that just feels like nothing. It's just like whatever. I described it as a doorpost in my t- tweet about it. It's like yeah, wow. like a doorpost or a soap dish. If you rearrange the molecules and made it into a movie, that's Victorian Abdul. Like it's just it's nothing. This doesn't belong to be here. Wow. So yeah, those are my thoughts of Victorian Abdul. <laughs> so, like I said about Judy Dench random movies with her, but still, it's like 
you know, people. Now I, I cannot wait to watch it. Yeah, because the every because <laughs> when I say something like that, the 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 when people go and watch it, they're like, oh, it's fine, or it's what it's right, like. Right. Yeah, well, that, if that's fine, that's but but it's like. What? We, we should we we should be some things about it. We should be striving for more. Like <laughs> like if you're gonna make a another period drama that has the same kind of same kind of message, the same kind of performances, that there's nothing ambitious about it. It's like shouldn't we want more out of this kind of thing? If we're gonna just by default nominate a movie that involves a you know a ro- royal queen every year, it's like okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move away from this. I saw another movie that I have on a screener uh, called uh, Maneshe. Uh, which is about a Hasidic Jew in um, Brooklyn. Uh, and it's quite good. It's a character piece. Um, the man is a widower. Um, he has a son. Uh, he works at like a like a convenience store slash deli. And he's having a tough time trying to make it as a you know a Hasidic Jew who's you know very orthodox. Um, with the, like his son's living with his uncle. And he's just having all this drama trying to just kind of get through his life. And it, you know, it's, there's nothing, it's pretty simple as far as the story being told. But again, it's just a kind of a simple character study that I quite enjoyed, uh, whether or not it's just because I can, I can kind of see the, how the Judaism plays a role in a film like this, something I'm just not used to seeing, that I'm always happy to see for a change. It's like, okay, that's a, that's a neat story to tell. Um, and it just, it's, it's well, it's made well enough. I think it's a first time director. I think he's probably done like short films in the past or whatnot, but it, it's a neat one. It, I, I don't know where this is playing, but it's like I have an award screener for it. So you know, apparently it's been touring festivals and is doing well enough to get a screener. So, you know. It just uh, came oh, out during out the here. summer. Sorry? It was playing at our, in Charlotte. It was playing at one of the um, like boutique theaters for like two, a month or so. Hmm. You say I kept it like, during the summer, Mark? I, I think it came yeah. out during the summer, okay. I believe. Yeah, yeah. I, just wanted to, I, I remember hearing about it, yeah. Yeah, I saw it, it has that a, the big sick. Yeah, it has like a ninety six on Rotten Tomatoes. So like, I you know, I see it's it has its share of. Honestly, acclaim. lately everything has like a ninety six. Yeah, on that's a lot tomatoes. of not just League. I, I, we know I that for sure. <laughs> every like nonsense to me. Every fan and non fan wants to make me well aware of what the Justice League score is, but yeah, everything else seems to get high ratings. But it's okay. Critics are wrong all the time, as we know, because it only applies to one movie. Um, let's see what else. <laughs> I saw Hostiles with Christian Bale uh, from director Scott Cooper, which I can't really talk about, but I can say it did make me want to watch more westerns, and luckily enough for me, Scott Frank and Steven Soderbergh have a new western series on Netflix called Godless, and I did watch the first episode of that, and it's quite good, and I look forward to watching more of it. So, there you go. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> we got through all our quickies. You know what? Can I just mention one thing? Uh, yeah. Because of screeners, I finally saw Battle of the Sexes, and I actually really enjoyed it. It was actually a movie I did not go to the theater to see because I I looked at the subject, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't seem like enough of a subject to make a movie. And it's really good. I I was really impressed with Emma Stone and uh, Steve Carell in their respective parts about uh, – I mean, I, I assume – it's been out for a while, so people know it has to do with Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs and mm-hmm. the, the the tennis match they played in the 70s. Uh, but it, they really took a subject that I, I really had no interest in, or I didn't think I did, and I watched the film, uh, and I really enjoyed it. I, I thought they both did a good job, and I was – it's really – handsomely mounted like they get the period detailed down i mean everything looks they you know uh really good and they have sarah silverman is in the part in, in a has a part in it and bill and pullman plays a bad guy <laughs> yeah there's like a whole bunch of uh, different parts um oh gosh i forget the name of the actor but 
he plays Billie Jean King's husband, and and he's good. I was like, I had to say, who is that guy? <laughs> he's good in like a doorpost kind. Of. I was like, yep, this is the man. But, <laughs> but, I, but I, there was something about him. I was there like, who is that? Like, and and then just his story about. Well, you have to watch the film, but yeah, he's, he he seems like the guy you get when you can't get James Marsden. Like that's he, the, that's the actor that looked like to me. Right. Well, he's just I kind mean, of James like, Marsden. You know. Oh no, I like James Marsden, but it's just like this guy's like this seems like just like a vanilla well, so guy that you, you kind of put. I don't into. remember what. What did you think of that film? I think it's fine. I think it could have used I more focus. I thought it was focus. better than fine. I, yeah, I think that, it that's could. Why have, I didn't my, see it. my issue yeah. is I think it, I think it needed more focus. Like it, it it's. It, I feel like the story could have used either more of Steve Carell's side of it, even though. Obviously, it's you know he's playing a kind of villainous or like a an antagonist to the cause that Billie Jean King's fighting for, or it should have been more of a you know purely about Billie Jean King, her like what her story is, because it just kind of throws you into a number of things involving her character, including like her you know her marriage, her relationships with another woman and whatnot, well, and like the woman that she gets involved with, it's like she's a nothing character, so it's like there's nothing really to attach yourself to beyond. There's, but they are. I like. I do like the movie overall, and I think once it becomes more of a sports movie, it's like, well, you're automatically, you know, kind of rooting for something to happen. You, because you know, of... I mean, even I don't know why, but I like Elizabeth Shue, and she was in the movie, and she has a very small part as uh, uh, Bobby Riggs' a very wife. Small part. But I liked her in the movie, and I know I realize her part was just like there's almost nothing to it. But I don't know. It, I I got a lot of enjoyment. I mean, it's probably because my expectations of the film were really low. And so I, I, I mean, I didn't bother to even see it in the theater. And then when I was watching it, I'm like, this is a lot better. I, I it, It's better than a lot of things I actually go to the theater to see. Oh, there Let's you put go. It that way. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And that's kind of a movie yeah. I expected you to, to see and really like. Is cause I, right. I, 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 maybe, maybe it is, but... But anyway, I, like, I, like, I know you, you like, and I like Steve Carell too, but I know you like Steve Carell a lot, like as far as some of the more dramatic roles he's played. Like you were a big fan of Foxcatcher, right? Yes, I, I really do like him a lot, actually. And I, I admire his ability to go between comedy and seriousness. I mean, it's, it's kind of the, he's sort of become uh, what Jim Carrey was at one time. I thought Jim Carrey was sort of this, you know, comedian, but could also do dramatic parts. And, and perhaps he still is. But uh, nobody knows Steve, anymore now. He just does crazy but, things. I mean, so. But Steve Carell is getting good. I mean, this is a good part. He's he's starring opposite of Emma Stone, who's like, you know, the it girl right now. So um, anyway, I, I, I recommend it. Cool. It, it didn't do very well in the theater, I guess. But I mean, I it's not. I mean, it's not a huge movie. It's not the, it's a little, <laughs> it's not the movie little. you kind of expect to make, like, tons of money. Um, but that's it. That's uh, out of quickies. Yeah. Good job, guys. Um, let's uh, let's uh, let's move into trailer talk. We talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, uh, when yeah. it's coming out, <laughs> what we think of it, what have you. <laughs> um, and this week, we'll, we'll go through some of the animated stuff coming up, but let's mainly get into Incredibles 2. Which I guess is just called Incredibles 2 without the article, the, at the beginning of it, to not make it <laughs> difficult whatsoever. Um, this is the follow-up to Incredibles that's been over a decade in the making, I guess, as director-writer Brad Bird back uh, once again along with the entire voice cast. And it seems, to, and I know this is just a teaser, I'm aware the movie itself is basically picking up right where the last one left off. Um so I know there's not much to kind of talk about as far as what we see in the trailer because the teaser. But what do you think? What do you think about the you know the, the general idea of an upcoming Incredibles two? Let's start with David. I'm really looking forward to an Incredibles two. It's one of my, it's probably my favorite Pixar movie of all the 19, and it still has been. And uh, for you know obvious reasons, it's a, you know it's just like a great family of superheroes, and it's about strength and strength in the family. But um, 
I didn't think the teaser did much for me, but <laughs> I mean, I'm happy that it's coming. I'm, you know, I'm happy to see that the trailer, the teaser exists. It just, uh, yeah, great that it, it's it's on track, it's coming, and I'm looking forward to it. But uh, I'm hoping that the actual story is a lot more than just Jack Jack finding his powers. <laughs> All right. How are you, Alan? Um, uh, aside from Monsters Inc. and maybe another film we might be mentioning soon, this Incredibles one was probably my favorite Pixar film. The only thing I feel is that it's been so, it's been what, 12 years since the first one? 2004 or so, yeah. Yeah, about 10 years. So like, or 12 years. So is it, is it too late? Because I saw what they did, or I watched Finding Dory and I didn't think that was anywhere close to Finding Nemo in terms of quality. So necessarily it'll look great. I'm sure it'll hit the points it needs to, but I mean, teaser was fine. Like, hey, it's coming out. That's all we know for sure. This is an absolute confirmation it's coming out. But my expectations are lowered due to previous installments of what Pixar has put out regarding their sequels. So we'll see. I'm excited. I'll still watch it. But I'm not exactly putting it at the highest of bars just in case. I don't want to get crushed. But, you know, good. I'm glad they're finally coming out. I just hope it's not too late. Mark? Oh, I'm with... David, uh, The Incredibles is probably my favorite Pixar film. So uh, the opportunity to revisit this story is is a, something I really welcome. Um, so I, I'm excited and I'm optimistic. My expectations are through the roof and uh, <laughs> I'm expecting greatness. So we'll see. The, the teaser doesn't really – I mean it's just basically like, hey, this is coming out, and they, they gave us a little – like it's like a, an amuse-bouche or something before the, the movie or the, the meal. you know. But we'll – I mean I can't even judge that that teaser. There's nothing to it, but I, I'm excited, and, and, and I know I, I, I should lower my expectations, but I, I can't because I'm, I'm, I love that film. <laughs> I um, I generally agree with everything that you guys are saying, including Alan. I think the only difference I have as far as thoughts on where the Pixar sequels could go and the amount of time between Incredibles, I think the difference with Dory and Incredibles is Nemo doesn't that it kind of naturally lend itself to a second movie. Obviously, they made one and like they found a way to do it, but I feel like Incredibles has a you know it's pretty straightforward of where you can go with a family of superheroes because you inherently get into more trouble with supervillains and what have you so i think there's plenty of room to do something uh, especially if the family you know if you have the first film where they're becoming themselves or becoming the incredibles essentially and this one you can have a fully formed version of them as superheroes that all realize their powers and work together as a team i adding coupling that with just brad bird generally being a very good filmmaker i'd, I'd like to think that there's plenty of room to see how they how, how this film grows from what the first one was able to do I would agree that the teaser doesn't offer much. That said, Michael Giacchino's score for The Incredibles is in fact incredible. So, like, just hearing that again in <laughs> a big screen, it's like, yeah, I, I am. I, that fully gets me excited for another installment of this because I get to get more of this kind of this this wonderful jazzy brassy score from him again in this universe. I'm very much excited for, for that reason alone. But also, you know, whatever humor and fun comes out of this one, I can't wait for. Yeah, the, this is David again. Speaking about Michael Giacchino, this is like Incredibles was the first movie where he was brought on board for any Pixar or Disney movie, and he's just been kind of their their go to guy for everything Marvel, Super, uh, Star Wars, Pixar, even Disney. And 
I don't think any of his scores have ever matched the original Incredibles as far as being like a favorite knockout score. He's done a lot of great work, but he won an Oscar for Up. I mean, yeah, oh yeah, there's a lot of he had a lot of great (laughs) scores come out after that, but nothing that kind of reminded me of how like wow, I'm in love with this score the way uh, The Incredibles was. As I mean, I, I agree. Different. As far as I think, Incredibles is again incredible. <laughs> so it's like, yes, that score works for me. <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, he's certainly done many, many great scores since then. But yeah, there's a, there's a kind of a. I can think of the theme of Incredibles like offhand very easily and be very happy about it. So it's like hey, I don't need to think about you know sad people dying and up when I think about the up score. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's not what people think when they hear that music. Well, (laughs) Incredibles is hitting theaters June 15th uh, next summer. Uh, What other uh, anime... I I assume Ferdinand was was paired with a lot of your screenings. Am I I correct on that? Alec Bark? I don't even know if there was a trailer. I can't remember. But I I have seen it. Oh, I saw the trailer. It had uh, my boy John Cena in it. Um, It was... (laughs) I might watch it just because John Cena and Kate McKinnon are voices in it, but other than that, it's just about this bull that doesn't want to, you know, fight and just wants to chill and be cool and hangs out with like a goat. <laughs> I'm actually, like, I, I really, those, I really those, like, like this trailer. I really like what I like. What I'm looking forward to this. I'm not familiar with the book that it's based off. I know Anna is. Yeah, there's but a like, book. Yeah, there's a book that the story of yeah, Ferdinand. It's, it's a children's story. It's a children's story. It's famous. Yeah, and like it's Disney like it's like really famous. Not it's not as like famous. It's like super like it's a huge best-selling novel. It's famous. I don't hang out with children. I'm sorry. I don't know. Well, you were you were a child once. It, weren't was, you? it, it was published <laughs> in the re- 30s. Like it's a, it's, it's, it's not new either. It's yeah. a, it's from the 30s, guys. Like it's an old one. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but it's like uh, do you remember yeah. that book, like the little house and like with the buildings that get built. It's one of those like you you read in like, like where the sidewalk ends, like one first, of those second grade. Things, yeah. It's like that era. Yeah, the Giving Tree, and it's that era. Okay, well, I know all those. I'd never heard of Ferdinand. I guess you guys found my weakness. I mean, it's fine. It's, it, had, it was the trailer I had was when they showed like the actual voice talent talking about the film intermixed with oh, scenes like of, of the movie. Oh, I weird. I, hear it. I don't like those either. Like It's just weird. It's like an EPK yeah. slash movie trailer yeah. before a terrible short heading into my main feature. But, you know, it was fine. That's, that's selling a movie on the talent, not the actual story. Itself. Correct. So it's it didn't... I mean, I'm going to watch it because I, you know... Why not? It looks fun. I like I, I, I like the arc of John Cena's film career, so it's like I, I very, I'm always curious about what he has to put forward. So I, I and I just think it looks like a fun little animated movie. So I, I, I'm, I'm excited for Fair and I mean, Fair I mean it's, it's from Blue, Blue Sky, so it's Blue Sky. Oh, Blue Sky. Yeah. Okay. And so that's Ice Age. Like, yeah, Ice Age, and uh, I forget the what else. They do. The uh, the the what is it? The um... Rio, the Peanuts movie. Epic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, epic. No. No, epic. Epic's one of them. Okay, I, I kept on thinking of uh, strange, strange things, or what's that Lucasfilm cartoon? Oh, animation the, thing? yeah, that like that bug thing or whatever. Like strange yeah. magic, strange magic, strange magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I who, think I'm the only person that remembers that movie. Who did Crudes? Is that DreamWorks? <laughs> yes, that, okay. is, that is. Maybe just because it seems so much like Ice Age, that's why I'm confusing it. <laughs> the Crudes. Yeah. Okay. But it, it is funny to me because Disney did make a short about Ferdinand the Bull. And so now that uh, now Blue Sky has it, it, I guess it's, you know, because it's based on a book, they could all do it. But the design of it, I don't know, it just looks so much like Disney's version of it. Hmm. So it is kind of weird. 
I'm sorry, they can't stretch their bowl budget to make it more <laughs> separated <laughs> from the other one. <laughs> a lot of bowl, I tell you. <laughs> it, it does seem like it's a very short story, so it seems odd that they could stretch it to a feature-length film, but I, mean, I guess somehow it found that, a way. That's the problem with every Dr. Seuss book that is adapted to a movie. <laughs> right, so. right. Well, definitely, yeah, and it's the same kind of thing where it's just like there's not enough there. That, that said, I had my annual Thanksgiving viewing of Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is also a very short book, but it's a great movie, so you never know. Uh, but, well, that's but that's Wes a novel, Anderson. at least. That's, and that's Wes Anderson. That's at least a book, not like pictures, like Dr. Seuss books are. True. <laughs> you got me there. But again, I'm on the optimistic side as, as for Ferdinand, right. uh, which right. arrives in theaters December 15th. And I think that's the only film that opens December 15th. So I'm sure everyone's oh, going to see gee, just uh, that movie I, December 15th. I, yeah, I got something to do that night. Uh... <laughs> um, all right. That's Trailer Talk. Before we get to our main review, I think we should talk about the film that pre- that, that preceded the main the main feature of the week, um, which unfortunately David and I were not able to see. But I believe there's no, a movie... fortunately, fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, we weren't able to yeah. see this. Wait, wait, wait. Be- wait! Before we get into it, let's do the title. <laughs> yeah, the title is Olaf's Frozen Adventure, of course, which is a 21 minute animated short film that has been placed before Coco. To I, I guess the idea was be, because like a Mexican child is so off-putting to people that they're like we need we need Olaf to save the day, which is horrible for a number of reasons that we don't need to get into right now. But so it is. Um, Mark and Alan, uh, before you guys start talking about how you think about it, can you kind of refresh everyone on how you think about Frozen in general? Because I think I'm curious about how much of that leads into how you think about the short. Uh, Frozen was fine. It, it was an animated film that existed. Uh, I went in. Um, kind of, I saw it on like Blu-ray when it was released because it never was anything that really piqued my interest. I ended up watching it, and I was like, "Oh, this is fine. It's okay. I can see why people like it." And then I just left it alone and went on my way and didn't really think about it since. Like it one pops the, up. One of the things what? I always had the problem with Frozen is that the two girls look identical i mean i can't they have different, different colored, colored hair but hair. there's nothing about them that is diff- their faces are like the same thing so they i've always had a problem with the character design but yeah. okay. <laughs> so it's all it's yeah. all cg rather than artists well even so even the two puppets yeah, even the two male uh lead or the two male leads in it are pretty similar looking, Honestly, that's, the color. that's the bigger problem i have the male leads in the movie because they're just there's no the personalities are fairly similar uh, before one obviously becomes more evil. So it's like, okay, yeah, that's yeah, one of them just hangs out with a moose, and that's weird. It's <laughs> <laughs> a reindeer. That's the well, that's that's is. the one voiced by Jonathan Groff. So my question to you, Alan, is now that Mindhunters come out, has his Kristoff character been like become more interesting in in the Frozen special? <laughs> Less so. I'm like, <laughs> you're you're happy and cheery in this, and you're not. Talking about random stuff. No, if he's not swearing, I don't really want to deal with John. Okay, so, so what'd you think of the Olaf's Frozen Adventure, guys? Well, let me paint this picture. <laughs> uh, I myself am a six foot two, about 290 tattooed Mexican male, just strolling about Friday morning, Friday afternoon, because I'm like, hey, Aaron wants me to see this for the podcast, so I need to go right now, or I'm not going to have time because I'm out of town this weekend. So, you know, I'm mosing on in. I get my reserve seat. I'm right in the middle. Perfect. I walk in. Shit's packed. Like, children are everywhere. And I'm like, oh, dear. I got my big Skittle. I got my big vanilla Coke. I'm like, well, I'm going to sit down. I'm surrounded by, like, the two white grandmothers that decided to bring their kids. So I'm like, oh, this is weird. So it's, like, packed. 
and then the moment it goes like frozen, fucking, standing ovation. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? I am. What people love on? Frozen, so yeah, yeah. But but um, as we continue to go through the short, you could feel like the energy dissipate in the room, and no one was into it. Like nobody clapped at the end, nobody laughed towards the end. Like it was. It was stunning to see the crowd turn on that. It was great. So the theater got froze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was kind of cool, but it is so by the book. It reminded me of Bell's Enchanted Christmas from like 1996, because it's just like, hey, let's just try to talk about capitalism and gifts and like these weird traditions, and let's just try to sell the idea of Christmas a lot and kind of just use this as an obvious cash cow. And you focus on the character that's real irritating and like should have his own spinoff with Jar Jar Binks in hell somewhere because it is <laughs> terrible, terrible. It's so like, I don't know. Uh, yes. Do you so want me if to break down, if, yes. Well, I, first off, if this was on television, if you watched this on television and had commercial breaks, would you think it was better than you thought? No. Okay. Because it would be that means it would, it would be have to be worse longer. on television. <laughs> yeah, because then you'd have to stretch it out and I have to watch more of it. Like, there's commercials in the middle of it that will let me breathe and think about what I've done in my life to get me to this point to watch this fucking show. Mark, what'd you think? What'd you think of this? Yeah, I mean, I I probably am not as hateful towards it as Alan, but as you were talking, it kind of reminded me of something. If I can make an analogy. Okay, so everybody's familiar with the Brady Bunch, right? The TV show? Mm -hmm, There's a story. Okay, so that that aired, like, from whatever the, like, 1969 to 73 or yeah. After the Brady Bunch aired, they later came back and had something called the Brady Bunch Variety Hour. And this is probably <laughs> less well known, but it, it was like 10 episodes where like it was a variety show, kind of like uh, – I don't even I – mean, they don't even have variety shows on television anymore. But they would come out and they would sing songs and do skits and like you know sort of like laughing or that kind of thing. That's like – this this is like a watered down uh, version of something you love, but with lesser songs and and a story that's not as enjoyable. And it it's it, it's not really. I mean, for one thing, it's long. I mean, it's it's twenty one minutes, and it's it, it stretched. Yeah, it's stretched to the point where you're sort of like, okay, let's wrap this up. It, I think if it had been half that length, it might have been more enjoyable. Um, but at 21 minutes, it really feels like, you know, we're here to see Coco. And usually the cartoon that precedes the film is like, you know, maybe 10 minutes at the longest. No, that's, that's yeah, it's like five maybe, minutes maybe at it's most. Maybe it's five minutes, yeah. And generally so, it's yeah. like an upper. It's like something like, oh my God, that was great. And I get a movie after this? Like, yeah, that's generally the right. feeling you get. This does not sound like, like, I'm curious, did anyone walk out like after the the Frozen short thinking like, oh, I saw the movie, I guess we're done? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, good. I, I'm glad there's no idiocy. Like that, that makes me happy at least. <laughs> I also, I don't know, but my favorite part of Frozen was not Olaf. So I guess it depends on how much you enjoy that sort of that personality. Well, and, Disney's and banking big on that. Was, you did. It was like Car- <laughs> it was like Cars too. So Aaron, you might love it. <laughs> you know what? I thought in the original Frozen, I thought Olaf saved that movie for me. I was just I. Oh, he like saved it. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Even though he's completely unnecessary and he's a sidekick character, and that's the I first could... time. We get a movie where a sidekick sings a song about what he wants. It was like, uh, 
but yeah, he saved the movie. I mean, I have no real worse. like. I I don't I can... mind Olaf. I like I like Frozen well enough. I and I don't have any real issue with Olaf specifically. I don't think he's the best thing. I don't think he's the worst. The worst thing is those trolls easily. Yeah, but um, trolls. no, no question. <laughs> like that's, that's the uh, bottom line, guys. It's those trolls. That yeah, well, Justin Timberlake song was great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there it is. There it is. So, Olaf's Frozen Adventure was not a magical time for you. That's what I'm hearing. Well, here's the thing. Okay. I, I, despite my feelings on it and how much I didn't enjoy it, I at least am emoting more passion talking about this than I did Justice League. I was just thinking that, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have something to talk about. Justice League's like, whatever. But it was it was, it was was terrible. I can't even... I, can't, they, I, can't. They, I think they have like four or five new songs in it, and I, I couldn't even tell you uh, what they were or anything about them. But, uh, or maybe even more well, than four. There was a lot of songs. Like every, every couple minutes, they're singing a song. Well... I um, if I get a chance to see Coco again, I I have no real reaction to this. I I, I don't really look forward to seeing it, but at the same time, I'm like, well, I guess it's going to be there. But at the same time, I I hear there are a lot of distributors that are cutting this off of the movie, so I don't even know if it'll still be on by the time yes, I get around to seeing Coco again. Two, the two biggest theater chains in Mexico have mm-hmm. taken it off of the screenings of Coco. Yeah, they do not screen it anymore because <laughs> well, so many people complain. Well, let's let's get to that then. Let's get to the actual film to review this week, which is Coco. All right, who's in there? I'm sorry. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Coco. Pixar is often held up in a shining light for many when it comes to animated films. The light has dimmed a bit for some as the increased number of sequels and disappointment in some recent original efforts seem to have felt like a shift for the studio that once turned out one masterpiece after another. Coco is the 19th Pixar film as well as an original one from director Lee Untrich and Adrian Molina. It tells the story of Miguel, a young boy in a Mexican village living with a family who has banned music. As he's secretly an aspiring musician, things will come to a head, but it happens to be the Day of the Dead, and Miguel's actions take him to the land of the dead. He'll need to figure out some way to get back to the living before the end of the night, and to do that, he'll need some help. To put it vaguely at best, David! Yes! Where where have you been uh, with with Pixar as of late in the kind of recent years, and what did you think of Coco? So Pixar is one of those studios where I make sure I watch every single one, and I have strong opinions about every single one. And I feel like Coco was the best Pixar outing since 2010's Toy Story 3, and it's even better than that. And that's saying a lot because the last, I mean, if you think about how long, like, of how many years have passed, that's seven years of kind of mediocre Pixar movies. And this is outstanding. This breaks into my top 10 right now it's kind of in like slot six uh, out of 19 but it, with another viewing it probably it could creep up even more it when i first saw it it was ninth and then i saw it again it went to six so i mean i i love this movie I absolutely just adored it and i, I you know we'll, we'll talk about it more but i just wanted to get that out of the way it's just that it's just a great incredible moving story that I was not expecting because the trailers were a little kind of slapsticky and <laughs> they had some it was too many gags in the trailers for me and I was like 
I don't know about this, but uh, but I I was like very pleasantly surprised, and I I absolutely love this movie. Mark, you're happy to take up credit where credits due when it comes to animated films, right? Right. Yeah. What would you What you think of Coco? I I loved it. Uh, I think I probably similar to David. I loved it. Uh, it's it. I think Inside Out was a was a, a really good Pixar film, but I would say this tops it. So I I had to go back. I would say the last film that I felt this emotionally connected to would have been Toy Story three. Um, I, I really feel like this did a really good job of a, a basically family. I mean, it's it's like the perfect ode to family and the but also the importance of like honoring your loved ones that have passed on. Um, and they sort of utilize the Mexican holiday Dia de Muertos and then how we're connected to our family members of the past and then how current generations um, honor their memory. And it's just it was really emotionally resonant for me. Um, I think the story itself is fairly simple, although, I, I mean, if I was to like detail like everything that happens, it might sound complex. But as it's playing out, it's it's fairly simple. But the emotional um, resonance that the film had is what's deep about it. And I think Pixar, you know, has this reputation for being able to uh, tap into our emotions and making you cry. And so that like we all remember the, te- the first 10 minutes of Up and, and how that sort of story played out about the, 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 the old man and his wife. That's kind of like how I felt about this uh, Coco as the entire film. It's sort of the story of this family and, and his connection to his great, great grandfather. And uh, it, it, I, thought, I just thought that like the detail that went into it was really uh, amazing. I mean, it, I thought it was originally going to be just about a boy who wanted to play the guitar and his family doesn't want him to be a musician. But you find out why his family doesn't want to be a mus- him to be a musician. And then you, you get that detail. And then sort of uh, there's a, a, a part where he, he goes into the, the land of the dead and he meets his ancestors. Like how that happens, I still don't really understand, but you just sort of go with it. And you, he he starts to meet like uh, people from his past and and gets a deeper understanding of his his you know who he is and i really just liked like all of that and i mean i think coco is full of heart and when i left the theater my my heart was full alan where where are you with coco so i'm not typically um you know i'm an emotional guy i'm in touch with my feelings but in movies i don't really i don't succumb you know i don't, I don't play into that playing with the heartstrings and my emotions you know but um, I was bawling like a child by the end of this movie. <laughs> I was like in a, I was crying into my cardigan. I was just, I was <laughs> just like while, while high fiving the grandmas around you. No, the, I think I think I freaked out the grandmas. I'm like, <laughs> what is wrong with this man? I was like, <laughs> it was oh man, like oh there's that's oh I think all of you know when it happened, but I was just I was I was. Fu- Guys, it was a fucking mess. And I couldn't. I had to go to work right after. I was just not, not like, Alan was not in a good way that day. Um, so in that regard, I think it's. But, it, the, but it was it's good sobbing though, right? It's like, oh yeah, it's I was. Hard, I was. Yeah. No, he hated the movie. That's what he's saying. He was so disappointed. <laughs> he was blown to tears from how bad it yeah, was. Yeah, I was like, I can't believe they didn't make this look right. I can't believe it. So basically, they. Um, I think the last great Pixar movie for me was probably. You know, I liked Up, but I didn't. I liked the first ten minutes of Up. That was great. Wally. Honestly, it's probably 
if not, it's going to be my favorite Pixar movie when I watch it again. Because it... Coco? Yeah, Coco was perfect. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't find anything flawed. I'm a little biased because I'm I'm Mexican, like, by, you know, culture. So, like, they got everything right. They called out things like Santos and Frida Calhoun. Oh. Like, all these little Easter eggs. How about about the abuelita when she threw her chancla? Like, that. I was like, yes! I don't know if she called it a chanclas, but like she said, "Get my shoe." <laughs> like, oh, oh that yeah, was... my zapato. Yeah, it was great. But like, so, yes, <laughs> that was funny. So like, there are so many moments that are so intricate into things that I grew up with. I've seen. I could feel when they're walking around the streets. I could feel the gravel under my my own shoes. I could smell the food. I could. They talked about chorizo, and I could feel like I was there. Like there are moments that really resonated with me that I felt. Like I was transported to that world, and obviously it's fake, and it's not fake, but you know it's it's a fictional environment. But the amount of detail they put into even the guitar playing and how they built it, and the finger placement to make it look like they're actually playing the guitar, the colors, the all the voice actors being of Latin descent, the singing voices, the songs, the melodies, the little hints to old classic Mexican singers, and everything yeah. was just wonderful and perfect and the intention to detail they were in production from i think 2011 and they released it this year so they really kind of lee uncridge took a lot of time with this and i don't think how can i put it i think it's 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 for me personally it's probably the best pixar movie they put out in a long time but i might right now it's like tossing in my brain between this and dunkirk as my favorite movies of the year mind you i haven't seen like all of all of the major awards contenders because I need to talk to you guys about how to how I can try to get myself some screeners. So that's an interesting get... thought. I, I didn't think about it, but Coco could be good enough for a Best Picture nod, and I hope it does get nominated because it was I, I think it amazing. is. Yeah, I I don't hear that kind of talk, but if it did get a Best Picture, I mean, we have like often nine, eight or nine nominees. Right. I. Certainly is. I agree. It's worthy of in eight or nine movies that I've seen this year. Yes, it's 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 in that league. I, yeah. Or even like it's it's <clears throat> Tarine right now. I haven't seen anything else, but I don't know how it can't win best animated picture. Or at least give, give Lee Unkridge a director nomination. I just I, I, I it's wonderful. I, it's one of the best animated films. That's I've an seen. interesting conversation yeah. that we should go back to at some point. Yeah. As far as what other categories these films can actually occupy in some form, because uh, I think screenplay. There's, there's a yes, and and some of them, yeah. some Pixar films had. Uh, you know, besides like you know scores and songs and and screenplays or whatnot, but I, yeah, I think there's well even and sound Gia like a lot of score. Yeah, there's there's a lot of great elements here, and I, I and I'll go as well. Um, Alan, you mentioned by the way that yeah, the movie's been in production for quite a long time, and I yeah, it's because of wanting to capture you know the kind of the essence required to tell a story like this and make it feel you know you know right for everyone involved. And Anna's been happy to point this out to me um, that she's been you know tracking the movie for quite a bit that the the film did, you know, go out of its way to get a lot of people involved that kind of made sure everything registered as authentic and wasn't kind of obviously wasn't making fun of anything, but was, you know, paying homage, paying tribute, being respectful, what have you to capture the elements of it, you know, what it, what it is to be in a Mexican family, let alone and celebrate Dios de los Muertos and, you know, what have you. And, you know, regardless of my own familiarity with these things, the the movie that came out of this is amazing. Like I completely agree with you guys. I think it's a fantastic film. You mentioned Toy Story three, a couple of you as far as like the last like real Pixar kind of greatest you know you know giant big 
magical adventure movie. And yeah, I agree with that as well. Like it is to me the the best one in a long time for Pixar, a studio that I do really like in general. I never dislike any Pixar films. Some are right. lesser than others. I know David has stronger opinions about some of them. Good dinosaur. I know Inside Out. I know you're not a fan of Inside Out either. But um, no, I think this is... I think Coco is a fantastic movie from start to finish. And I'm right with Alan. I was crying by the end of this movie a lot. And I don't normally cry with the pit. Like, you know, they'll get to me in in some ways as far as like, okay, like that's touching or like just certain revelation. I've said this a lot about Toy Story 3. That was the movie that made me concerned if mr if mr mr potato head was gonna die i was like well i shouldn't have this kind of feeling right now and yet pixar is pulling at me to make me very concerned about the well-being of mr potato head uh, r.i.p don rickles and uh, this movie went the extra mile and got me going at the end of this movie it is it is an experience that comes from a place of warmth not because i'm like feeling threatened by what possible results could be have but just the the way everything you know resolves itself i thought just was so special and made me think about my own family and how, how I relate to certain loved ones in my family like, and just just a variety of emotions that come out from there. But beyond that, beyond the kind of Pixar does it again as far as making you feel bad or feel you know something about your childhood or your relationships or whatever, the movie itself is just wonderful. There's so much great animation here. It's such a lively, colorful picture. Oh. It, it, it's one it's, of the most colorful films ever. Uh huh. It's like it's in the realm of like a Miyazaki film as far as how it handles this kind of magical realism along with the kind of art style the, that you're seeing. It's, it's the so... Land of the Dead, mm-hmm. like with the buildings and the colors and like and, and there's even a little thing. I don't know if you get this little thing before the film where they talked about like the the mats and how they have like vibes. No. You know, all oh, these I things. Got that. Yeah. There was like a little intro that talks about Weird. it's there's such depth to the film. And the, yeah, the that land of the dead with all the buildings and everything was just amazing. Yeah. That it's, party. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's great to see just so much creativity come alive here. And like, it's not like Pixar's stopped short of this in the past as far as creating unique worlds right. that have this, you know, great universe that you want to be a part of. But this is just another example of that. And they're running at like full speed to make this just look amazing throughout. And it's super funny. This movie's so, like, there's so much good humor in here. The voice acting is so, like, wonderful. I think Gael Garcia Bernal is great. Benjamin Bratt is a lot of fun. Yeah. The, uh, the, that was the, the most that Benjamin Bratt could sing. Yeah, that was the most surprising performance is that I didn't know his voice sounded like that. He sounds was, really good. Yeah. I was, like, I was really like impressed. <laughs> you know, like he was the guy they beat up on, on Doctor Strange. And here he is. He's like the total. <laughs> he's, he's awesome. I, I mean, so he's he's kind of I read a little bit of the background. He's based on a couple of these uh, Mexican stars of the 30s and the 40s, uh, Pedro Infante and Jorge Negrete. And these are these uh, guys that were like singers, but then they also transferred into films. And that's sort of the uh, Ernesto de la Cruz, who's in the uh, film that Benjamin Bratt plays. He's like his own creation, but he's sort of based on these these people. And I guess it takes place in modern day. Am I right? But then he he, but it's interesting that this little boy, this little 12 year old boy is like idolizes this singer from the past and he watches these films on black and white and so like i, mean, I like that his- i mean come on. i like that history you know like well, I, yeah. uh, I, th- I went to a q a there was a q a at my screening with lee unkrich and he says he wanted to make this more of a timeless movie so yeah. he didn't want it to be intruded with right. all the mobile technology that we have today so he kind of went but he still back. puts that pizza pizza planet 
Yeah, yeah, so there's still cars. Alan, there, there have been Pizza like... Planet trucks since The Good Dinosaur. Have you not seen this movie? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's in every movie, and I thought it was a really funny place to put it there. But uh, yeah, so he wanted to make it kind of timeless in a way that, you know, Wally is, even though that's in the future, but the, with the VHS technology, it kind of brings it back home a little bit. Yeah. Oh right, right, right. He had a v- but he the fact that he's even using a VCR kind of made me go, "Is this what year is this?" I, I see what you're. <laughs> I see what you're saying. The both what of you. Because yeah. he's not streaming the movie. They can't afford a Blu-ray player. <laughs> well, yeah, well, he's he's hiding all this stuff from his parents and family, so okay. it's, uh, you know, but they're, yeah, they probably have like a and, like a they probably have like yeah. an Amazon Alexa down there somewhere. He just has to sneak up the VHS <laughs> to the attic. Yeah, because there's no there's no mute there's no music allowed, the, so it's just a lot of like to... room noise. That's that's what they ask for on Alexa. And because the movie has to do with music, they they do have a really good soundtrack. And there's one song, "Remember Me." You hear it several times in the film. There's a version that Benjamin Bratt sings as the lead. That's sort of a fast version. But there's also a version that's sung later in the film, and I won't go into the scene. No, please. But I can't. I know. I can't no, cry. But I started crying. <laughs> like that that version of "Remember Me." You know that was being sung. You know, see that's some that's somehow not even the song that does it for me. It's the song that like ends the film that gets me every time now. Like when I play the soundtrack, I can't like. That's both. It's both. I can't. Oh, I can't I'm keep it together terrified. without this. <laughs> yeah, I get the like the you know the the quiver lip. You know, yeah. that, <laughs> you know that way you're almost crying but you're trying not to. Uh, but uh, I want I wanted to touch on so. Uh, this movie, I'm I'm not Mexican, but I wanted to say that this. This movie, watching this, it makes me proud of your culture and your heritage, and I think that's that's an important thing mm-hmm. because it's so many people of all walks of life will be able to see this mainstream movie about Mexican culture, and I think that's also kind of uh, what's wonderful about it is that we don't get a lot of these in American mainstream movies about other cultures, and I I think that's really brilliant. A Pixar for doing it. I, I agree, and and you've pointed this out as well in the past in various forms. But like people have talked about, like its similarities in the film Book of Life, um, yeah, which I'm a fan of. I like that film, yeah. and it's it's weird when it gets called out where it's like, okay, yes, I understand that there is another movie about Dios de los Muertos, but at the same time, it's, it's like a we don't very com- different story. We, it is, and also we don't complain about you know getting multiple Christmas movies, right. Like what else? So it's it, like... you can have more than one film about you know. Mexican people it's, like that's yeah, it, it's silly yeah. that people would say oh well we've already had this film it's like um, it's like no, we should have be another one we should be encouraging we get like, like one a year <laughs> yeah. so it's like <laughs> I think we got low riders last year so we got Coco this year so it kind of yeah so I, I've been dying for another movie that's like along the levels of Mulan but instead we got the Great Wall somewhere <laughs> and <We're>... uh, <laughs> so I'm still waiting for that. no but it's <laughs> no, great to like I mean when we see Coco and like I can only I can only hope that it inspires you to have more movies that have people from, as you said, David, different walks of life coming, you know, providing their stories that entail their culture that are, you know, not, they, they can be made to embrace just their culture. And that's fine because there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to see more about things that are outside of your own self. Uh, but, you know, getting films from all different, like, I don't have a good Hanukkah film and I feel bad about that. <laughs> like, I can't. Like, well, Adam Sandler didn't do one for you? As I said, I don't have a good Hanukkah film. <laughs> that I can't good. Go okay. Into. Keyword is good. Okay, <laughs> like, and I'd love to get that, but at the same, but it's like, so it is. It's just great to just see a film like Kogo or a film like Book of Life or a film like any number of other movies that don't get nearly enough kind of attention uh, as you know the general films that you see in the populace do have. And 
if the, I mean, it's already a success. Like it's made, it made a good chunk of money this weekend, and I think the word of mouth will be hopefully strong enough. Assuming Frozen didn't ruin it for everybody, that will you know keep making its you know its way through. But you know, do you even look at last year with Moana? You know, film about the Pacific Islander culture and whatnot. It'd be it'll just be. I, I'd like to think, especially of Disney, you know, it's just a, such a mega company that you continue getting movies that really explore the world and not just the same kind of thing over and over again. But talking about Coco, because this movie is fantastic, I, you know, the, you guys mentioned the music and the songs, and yeah, that stuff really is great. Um, I mentioned the comedy in there, which I think is great. The stuff in the land of the living, before we even get to the the dead, which is you know takes up the majority of the movie, that's a lot of good stuff. Like Alan, you mentioned, like it kind of reminds you of things that you you know grew up with or what have you. But I, you know, it's great to see the the family, like just the dynamics of the family, and seeing the and seeing Pixar. Once again, working well with just actors that can do this as opposed to getting giant name stars that can just bring a bland performance. You get people that actually kind of know the culture, know things, what they're talking about or what have you. And it works really well. Like, it's just a really affecting movie that way. Yeah, there's like a little, not an Easter egg, but some character walks in with two elotas in his hand. And I was like, oh, perfect. I can... <laughs> this is wonderful. What did I'm I miss? Hung... Yeah, it was great. That was good. Like, that was so good. <laughs> Like he just walks in, like hap- like I'm happy. I I looked that happy when I'm carrying Julia Lotus too, so it worked out. It was it was so good. I, I, I here's the thing: I didn't watch any trailers or anything. I knew was, I was gonna watch it because I f- heard what it was about. I was like, well, I'm gonna go see it no matter what. I'm gonna try to be blind, and I had no idea really anything about it, and I was just not taken aback. It was like here's the thing: after I was done crying, I collected myself. I walked outside. I called my dad, and I cried again. So like, you gotta go see it. It's so good. Take take my nephews. He's like, okay, kid. Okay. I sort of avoid trailers, and I I feel like I did probably see a little bit of like promo stuff for this film, but I just had this idea that it was going to be just sort of a, a a very superficial story about a boy who wanted to play the guitar and his family didn't want him to, and it, it's about so much more than that. And I I guess I shouldn't have underestimated Pixar because they've done these things in the past that really touch me. But this really brought it home in a way that I haven't seen in a Pixar film like since Toy Story 3. I, I think emotionally it really delivered like on all cylinders. It really was like uh, – and probably – I mean like we were, we've been discussing. I mean definitely top-tier Pixar and, and probably like in their top you know, six or seven films that they've ever done. Which is great yeah. to say for the 19th film from – I mean it doesn't matter as far as the number. I mean it's a, it's a major studio at this point. It's hard to say like it's the 19th film as if that's something that means something. It's just like, yeah, it's the latest film from this company. But that said, I mean you, you're working with a lot of the same people as far as developing these movies or whatnot. And once again, they were able to knock it out of the park, which is impressive. I mean it's not just getting another kind of byproduct of the fact that Pixar can do certain things where you get like some of the sequels, which are – lesser than other movies but you get something like this which is just so full of something new something that you're not seeing generally in the, in, but in, in it's definitely more it's a more of a relief that it's great because you've seen andrew stanton come back and direct finding dory which is serviceable but it's just not nearly the same as finding nemo and uh you, you wanted someone like lee unkrich who also directed toy story 3 to come back and prove everyone wrong that pixar is kind of losing its touch and i'm just so happy that it's this movie you know and uh i think that does help that he's also the editor he's not only the director and writer he's he's also the editor of the movie which kind of helps shape everything he wanted it to be i think it so helps he, pulled, he pulled a robert rodriguez so you know 
which is great because you know for a minute I, the little kid reminded me of the little kid from Desperado and I thought it was like a spinoff I can see that <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned you know uh, Miyazaki is it seems like somewhat of an influence here and I think that the spirit animals certainly made me think that the uh, the designs of these some of the the creatures we see in the land of the day I really enjoyed a lot and I, I wasn't I wasn't sure what they were going to be doing in the like how it was going to play in I mean you get one kind of larger creature and you're like okay is it what kind of forces it's going to present but I, I really liked how they incorporated the kind of what you could say is the cutesy stuff in this film but it like works here like it, it never feels overwhelming like, there's a dog character that has its own transformation and it just it's like it's nice little things like that that just really add to the world that they're building and i'm very curious about how the magic i guess of this movie works but in the same way it's more of a like encouraging like how does this work as opposed to i don't understand where cars come from in this universe <laughs> yeah there's something there i could I definitely see the miyazaki uh reference that you're putting in there because it's just this magical world that we don't get to see too often in the on the big screen in a story I, like this i kind of thought of like spirited away yeah, I, I, that and there's parts that had quite that. literally, quite literally spirited. <laughs> yeah. um, I liked all the Frida jokes in this movie. I don't know why, but every time there was like a joke that play, played around like with Frida's persona, it made me laugh quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Is it illegal to uh, have fake eyebrows? Just little <laughs> random stuff. That, unibrow. Yeah, unibrow. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it, it was funny is that when I watched it again. And when you see uh, Hector learn about uh, Miguel being the grandson or great, 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 whatever he is, great grandson of uh, Ernesto. And he's like, he's trying to put it together. And that didn't really make that much sense the first time I watched it. But the second time it was like, oh, my God, he's trying to figure out how uh, Ernesto had uh, spawned, you know, kids that had a family then spawned even more kids. And and that's when his eyeballs fall out and, and end up in his mouth. And uh, when you watch it again, it's just, it makes a, it's a whole, has a total different meaning behind it. Well, it works because this is – I'm trying to think. Are there other Pixar films that have, like, significant twists in the story? Because this one has a few twists up its sleeve that I yeah. didn't necessarily see coming. And that, we, and Toy so Story that, 2 had a twist. Yeah. yeah. I feel like after I saw the film, I thought there was, like, a particularly one plot twist that I thought I should have been able to predict. But I did not. And then when it's revealed, I was sort of surprised. I mean, and I like the way that that played out. Yeah, because there's, <laughs> there's, there's a key, not for this movie, but in Pixar movies in general, there's generally a choice involved in like, oh, this is the villain. Like, that's kind of like the thing Like they, they kind of rely on in a, in a number of them where it's like, oh, this is like, some of them just don't have a villain, really, and it doesn't matter. But like something like Monsters, Inc. or Wally <laughs> or... Right, it's most like it's the guy who's not the villain who ends up becoming the villain. Yeah, it's always kind of one of those. And and this movie, whether or not it has a twist like that, it has other surprises where I'm like, oh, that's pretty right. neat. Like it has the, the it, big plot yeah. twist that was had more to do with something else. But, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, oh, th- yeah. and that's why I, I admire. It's part of the reason why I admire this so much is that it's it's striving to be somewhat like it's playing like Mark you said to kind of there's a simple story being told, but it, it's layered. It has a lot going on and it's just wonderful for it. It's like, it just works so well. It's so affecting and endearing. And I just, I, I want to go see it right now and stop talking about it. So. There being a thief, fleeing an officer, falsifying a unibrow. That's illegal. Very illegal. You need to clean up your act, amigo. Amigo? 
Oh, that's, that's so nice to hear you say that because I've just had a really hard Dia de Muertos and I could really use an amigo right now. And amigos, they help their amigos. Listen, you get me across that bridge tonight and I'll make it worth your while. Oh, you like De La Cruz? He and I go way back. I can get you front row seats to his Sunrise Spectacular uh, no, show. No. I'll, I'll, I'll get you backstage. You can meet him. You just gotta let me cross that bridge. I should lock uh, you up for the rest of the holiday. But my shift's almost up and I want to visit my living family. So I'm letting you off with a warning. Can I at least get my costume back? Uh, no. Oh, some amigo. <laughs> I really do like, uh, so Gael Garcia Bernal plays this character, Hector, who's sort of this trickster that he meets. And I really like that character a lot. Yeah, and it's I, great. I, it was cool. I, yeah. And it, you just should see the movie to understand why. But he's really like a wonderful um, presence in this film. He does a great job. Edward James Olmos has a small part yeah, that is that also quite effective. Yeah, the two of them, uh-huh. wonderful. Wonderful uh, stuff. And the kid, Anthony Gonzalez, is the name of Miguel, the boy. Oh, yeah. He's and he's really he's, he's great. It's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of this – it's this great, like – there's a way kind of child actors perform where they're, like, always excited about the emotion they're trying to put out there, whether it's sad or happy or whatnot. And it, like, it plays really well in this film. Like, the way he yeah. – he, he's constantly kind of – not in a rush, but, like, in a kind of a – things are moving in his head where he's like, I got to do this now. And regardless of what the emotion is, and it just, it plays really, it plays in the same way where like, I don't know, Russell and up where there's this kind of constant enthusiasm that you're really into. It just, it's nice. So Lee Unkrich mentioned that he was hired later on as like a temp track actor. And, uh, and then he, he, but he was young enough that they could still use him. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was another guy that they had to get rid of because he got too old. Diego Luna. Uh, I'm kidding. During the, During the course of making the movie, and then they found this guy, and he's this kid, and he auditioned uh, to sing. And even though this part didn't have singing, they, he just did a, a song for them, and they were floored, and he, he got the part. And now it has songs, and he's and that he could also sing. So I think it's kind of amazing. Is this the most musical of Pixar movies? Um, like I, I guess like, yes. Like yeah. by by you could say Toy Story just because Randy Newman's like now I'm chiming in with yeah, my tongues. Like, but, but it's not a musical. Back, that's you know music in the background. This yeah. is a movie about music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it is. It's definitely well, no, songs Bra- on the Brave had all those uh, cranberries covers. Zombie. <laughs> 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 there it is. There it is. If they had that classic song. My mom's a bear now. <laughs> I don't know why the, the cranberries came back for that one, but they did. Hey man. Any other thoughts on um, Coco? That's great. Go yeah. see it right now. It's fantastic. All right then. I mean, we didn't talk about. I mean, there's always so much you can say about the animation, but I do think the kind of the designs of the skeletons are pretty amazing. Like, there's a I, mm-hmm. you can. It doesn't like shy away from the fact that these are dead people, but like. You know, there's a way to make that scarier, or there's a way to really make that kind of, kind of, you know, loose and flighty, where you don't really care. This has like just the right kind of touch of that, like the same, like uh, where I could see where you could possibly get somewhat, you know, frightened if you're younger by it, but it embraces it so much that you're just into it. Like it's a it's... well, there's like a they they have like a fat skeleton, which I was into. <laughs> like, that lady was fat, and then made her fat. That's crazy. It's crazy. She's big yeah. boned. Yeah, sure. Not fat. I mean, big I'm on body shaming. Like, good for her. She's like me. Like when I when I go, I'm gonna have a big fat skeleton. It's gonna be great. 
But yeah, I mean, we mentioned the colors, there, but it's just, it is another, like, a term. I loved, like, you'd see the skeleton, and then you would see, like, there'd be, like, a flashback where you would see what the person looked like mm-hmm. as a human. And you're like, oh, okay, I can kind of see, like, how that skeleton would look like that person. Like, right. the the character that Benjamin Bratt played, and, and then also uh, mm-hmm. Gael Garcia Bernal. Yeah, no, it, it just, it, there's just this many, many positives about this. Where should people go and see this movie, David? In the theaters. And I would recommend not, I mean, 3D is beautiful, but don't see it in 3D because when you're sobbing at the end, it's, I had to take off my 3D glasses. <laughs> and so it was kind of a, a mistake. So I'd rather watch it in 2D. Mark? Yeah, theater. I actually did see it in 3D. Um, I don't oh, know if it's... Ne- a rare Hoban choice. <laughs> but it, I don't know if that's necessary, but it, it's uh, you should go immediately... St- after you finish listening to this podcast, go buy a ticket and see it right now. Alan? Uh, if you can, biggest screen possible, bring your tissues and bring your family. It's good. Just go watch it now. Yeah, I agree. All go, the time. Go see yeah. this movie immediately. It is fantastic. Coco is now in theaters. All right. Well, this is our roof of Coco. Let's, uh, let's move on now. Let's get to our feedback. Feedback, 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 feedback. feedback. I was on it, Mark. I was way on it. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I like the competition now that's for because of this. Well, we can have like an echo effect. That's fine. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> it requires less editing. It takes two people <laughs> to replace Abe. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, let's get into it, guys. I This is where we go over various questions that we ask on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast. You guys gave – you listeners gave us answers to the questions we asked and then – well, I thought we'd get questions. We didn't get any questions this week, which is a shame. But we do have a number of great uh, answers to the questions. So here we go. Uh, let's see. First up here. Happy Thanksgiving. What are your favorite dinner table scenes? Uh, Justin writes, Beetlejuice comes to mind. Also, Edward Scissorhands. Both dinner scenes were comical. Chris writes, Brain Dead, the Peter Jackson film, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And Jay writes, Revolutionary Road. Michael Shannon makes every scene better. Um, Django and Chain with Leon, right, with, with Leon or Cal- Calvin Candy and... That whole scene was great. Yeah. Okay. Where he breaks the glass on his hand. Mm-hmm. The chicken dinner in a racer head. <laughs> Jeez. <God. laughs> wow. I thought I'd like, change it up a little bit. Yeah, you, you did. <laughs> All right, Babette's Feast. Is, oh. that, is that sophisticated? That, that that's, that's nice as well, I guess. David, do you have any favorite dinner table scenes in movies? Uh, Hook comes to mind, the yes. banquet. Never feast. All right. All right. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> There's an a answer. lot of crude uh, uh, insults being flung back and forth before dinner. You know. All right. Uh, next up, who are your favorite animated film families? Jay writes Simba and his pride. It's a family that includes Jeremy Irons and James Earl Jones. How do you get better than that? Jason writes the Bat Family in the Lego Batman movie. Justin writes The Incredibles, Ratatouille, Kubo and the Two Strings, and Box Trolls. Uh, Chris writes The Pars from Incredibles. Tyler writes The Incredibles. And Manish writes Nemo, Marlin, and Dory. Uh, the Norman family from Paranorman. <laughs> That's a good one. I can't remember other things I, right now. I mean, Justin and uh, Tyler said The Incredibles. That's that's the official answer. It is. I just think of other ones. Oh, Mr. Fox. Uh, yeah, Mr. Fox is Mr. Fox is my answer, but also uh, there's a little family, uh, the Goofs, featuring Goofy and Max, um, which is a wonderful little story right there. I was gonna, I was gonna go with Scrooge and his nephews. Oh yeah, all they, the ducks. They have some ducktails. McDuck. Yeah, that's All a right. good one. 
next up. Favorite films about a character going after their dreams. Justin writes Ratatouille is one of my favorites. Also, Walter Mitty. Jason writes Ratatouille, the one with Patton Oswalt voicing a rat. Thank you for clarifying the Ratatouille. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jay writes Scott Pilgrim vs. the World of Scott going after his literal dream girl. Uh, Joe Jans writes Inception. Nathan writes uh, Boogie Nights. Um, Characters going after their dreams. I'll go with Wolf of Wall Street. I heard Wolf of Wall Street and Tangled. Is that what you said? I said Tangled. Okay. I said Wolf of Wall Street. And uh, I would good say fellas. I would say Rudy. There you go. Alright. Next up. There's little there's literally a song entangled about going after your dreams. Yeah, but no one remembers those songs except you. Come on. <laughs> I I'd be happy to I liked Tangled, but I have no real memory of it. I've seen it one and a half times. Uh, not there's a scene with a bunch of lanterns. Yeah. That, that's a scene I remember. I don't remember the music of it. Oh, you're a terrible person. <laughs> I'd like to. We are terrible people because I don't remember much of it. Ah, so good, so good. I own the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Next question we have here: favorite films featuring dead and living characters interacting with one another. Scott Mendelson, friend of the show, asked, "Does the Sixth Sense count?" Of course. Justin writes, "Beetlejuice for sure." The Frighteners. My boys love Casper. Jay writes, "Ghostbusters." George writes, "Beetlejuice." Tammy writes Field of Dreams, Manish writes Paranorman, and Farron writes An American Werewolf in London. Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> Wait, are we, this is Ghost, right? Not Dead Guys? It says featuring yeah, dead, dead and, dead and dead. living characters oh. interacting with one another. My all answer right, is, right. of course, Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> there it is. Psycho. There's a lot. Yeah. There, there are. A- Angels of the outfi- in the Outfield. It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> a Christmas Carol. This the uh, Mickey's a Topper. Carol. <laughs> giving like old movies. All right. Next question. Favorite films featuring an important grandmother. Actually, Mark, you chimed in on this one before I actually be on the show. Yeah, that's right. You wrote a Whale Rider with uh, Keisha Castle Hughes, losing her grandparents, which includes yeah, many flowers. That's I a great that movie. movie. That's a that's a yeah, oh, Whale Rider. I love that. It's movie. a great movie. Recently what hit Blu-ray uh, from Shout Factory. Ooh. Tyler writes Mulan. And Justin writes Moana. Yep. Any other movies with uh, important Pocahontas. grandmothers? Grandmother Willow. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. The tree. <laughs> oh, uh, what about um, Titanic? Because was Rose, she was a grandmother in the beginning of the film. Probably. She did like everything by the end of that movie. Oh, well, Kathy Bates is everyone's grandmother. Um, I can't. I need to set up my grandmother game. Okay. I, I can't think of this right now. All right. Next question. Last question. What actors were unrecognizable in certain roles? This is in relation to Darkest Hour, which came out this week in limited release with uh, Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill. Uh, Alessandro writes Gary Oldman as James Gordon in the Dark Knight trilogy, while my lovely girlfriend says Gary Oldman in Hannibal, also Tilda Swinton in Trainwreck. Gary adds Tilda Swinton in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Jay writes John Reese davies in Lord of the Rings. It was years before I realized that was Sala. <laughs> George yeah. George writes Donnie Wahlberg in Stephen King's Dreamcatcher, and Joseph Braverman, friend of the show, writes Jessica Chastain in every role since she's a chameleon actor. Um, Charlize Theron in Monster. If I said uh, John Hurt as uh, John Merrick, would you know who that is? Yes, because you because it's the saddest movie I've ever seen, and one that always makes me cry. <laughs> the Elephant Man. Oh my gosh. 
I'm a human being. I'm not an animal. I am not an animal. Yep, those are my default answers. All right. Well, that was feedback. Feedback, 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 feedback. 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 And now it means it's the time for games. TM. <laughs> that was of course <laughs> the improv. Trademark. That was of course the improv theme for games. Yeah. Those xylophone notes change every week, though. You can't trademark that. Yes, you can. Do it once, pay the five hundred dollars, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works, right? Okay. Uh, well, guys, I have a game for you this week. It is called A Slice of Afterlife. This, okay. Th- yeah, I was holding for applause. The, <laughs> this, um... I'll do it again. I want to take it again? No, I got it. I, I got it. Okay. I can add it later. It's fine. Okay, <laughs> the, <perfect>. um, <laughs> a Slice of Afterlife. This game is a movie that deals entirely with films that have some involvement with the afterlife. I am going to read you the IMDb key- three IMDb keywords that are most popular with each of these movies and see if you can guess it from there. If you can't, I will name the year of the movie. If you still can't, I will name the last names of the three lead actors of the movie. Oh, gosh. This shouldn't be that hard, and ironically, most of these are from the 90s. Uh, some are very, but yeah, I'm going to read you three key words that tie into this film that's about the afterlife in some way. Okay? If you think you know the answer, say your name, and then the answer. We good? Yeah. Yep. Okay, here we go. First one. The keywords are Mexico, bullfight, love triangle. Ooh, wait. David. Wait. David? No. Uh, never mind. I was okay. gonna say romancing the stone, but that's not not even so, really close. So, so Mexico bullfight, love triangle, love oh, triangle, the city slippers. I'm gonna name the year 2014. Uh, the book of life. The book of life is the correct answer. Yes. Make sure to say I your just... name. Oh, Why'd Mark. You say the... That was Alan. That was Alan. By the way, that was me. <laughs> Why'd you say there were most of them in the 90s and you start with that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three years just, ago. Just throw you off, obviously. It did, did, didn't bother Mark, who's on the board. Can't say the same about David right now. <laughs> Here's the next one. I, w- I, just, I quietly sulk. That's what they do. <laughs> the next one. Surrealism. Yuppie. Attic. Deals with the afterlife. Surrealism. Oh, um, wait, uh, Alan? Yeah? Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice is the correct answer. Mmm. Stuff's in my hips. You guys can't see it. This one, this one already has one of my favorite keywords, but I'll get to it. Here it goes. Here's the next one. Near-death experience, childhood trauma, trailer narrated by Don LaFontaine. <laughs> I just love that that's a keyword. <laughs> um, Alan? Alan? Trailer narrated by who? Wait, Don LaFontaine is the guy that goes in a world. Like he was the very popular trailer narration voice, and he then he died. Um, yeah. Near death experience, childhood trauma. Uh, is it the sixth sense? It oh. is, nope, that is incorrect. Mark, Mark, Where? Flatliners. Flatliners is the correct answer. Oh, that's a nineties movie. Yeah, nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Yeah. Here's the next one. Back from the dead, vigilante, gothic. Uh, Alan. Alan. The crow. The crow is the correct answer. See, wow. you're getting these. That's impressive. Here's the next one. Oh boy. Afterlife, 1970s, 
pedophile. Alan. Ooh. Alan? Oh, Christ. What's that called? It's the fucking... Um, the, lo- the Lovely Bones. The Lovely Bones is the correct answer. Uh. There it is. I was going to say The Lonely Boys, but that's not it. That one I wasn't sure about because I'm like, who remembers this movie? Because it's terrible. But um, anyway, um, read the book for that one. Was really excited. Peter Jackson sucked. <laughs> Bad movie. <laughs> Here's the next one. Death, invisibility, unrequited love. Alan. Alan? The um, ghost. Ghost. You're nailing these. Yep. Yeah, oh, my <laughs> gosh. I was waiting for ghosts. I, I figured some of, these are, some of these are marked right away. Like, I think, <laughs> ghosts, the, like, the highest grossing film of 1990, by the way, if I'm not mistaken. My second choice was going to be Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, but... <laughs> Here's the next one. Rivals, Plastic Surgeon, Eternal Life. Alan. Alan? Death Becomes Her. Death Becomes Her is the correct answer. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> We're running away with this here. <clears throat> Here's the next one. Let's see. This might be easier. Heaven. I can still win this. Heaven. Wait, this might be easier. Heaven. Soulmate. Hell. Mark, heaven can wait? Incorrect. Heaven. Soulmate. Mark, what hell. dreams may come? What What dreams may come is the correct answer. Oh, getting too close. What, what's the score? Five to three? I'll I'll tally it up at the end. Don't worry okay, about the score. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Here's, here's the next one. <laughs> and why don't you have Heaven Can Wait in this? How do you know it isn't? Here's the next one. It's not Heaven Can Wait. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I feel like I've I've purposely didn't say anything as if it could be tricking you. Here's the next one. Robot, Easter Bunny character, teen comedy. A- Alan. Alan. Bill and Ted's it's bogus Bill journey. It's Bill and Ted's bogus journey. <laughs> <laughs> I also had telephone booth in case those clues were too vague because I said Easter no. Bunny characters. <laughs> no. You could have just said station and I would have got it. Here's the last one. Mother-son relationship. Cold temperature. Surprise ending. Alan. Alan. The sixth sense. It's the sixth sense. Aww. Alan, you ran away with this one. Mark, you put up a valiant effort. You got yourself on the board. Can't say the same about David, unfortunately, this time. I I would have got Book of Life if you didn't fool me. <laughs> I'm sorry I fooled you. <laughs> pronouncing 90s and then giving you a recent movie. And I was waiting for you to use Little Nicky for something. I only have so much time for these. But, Alan, you, you, did, you, did, you won the game this week. So, good job. Thank you. Thank you. I have a bonus question for you guys. What film has the highest opening five-day Thanksgiving weekend domestically? Movies that open, like, on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, Frozen? It is Frozen. 93 million. Yeah. You, know nice. what the, yeah. you know what second place is? <clears throat> Twilight? I tweeted about that this morning, it, actually. It's, it's not Twilight. Twilight, because Twilight's <laughs> open, the, they, those movies open the week before Thanksgiving, so it's the second oh, week for them. Yeah. That's, that said, that said uh, Catching Fire still was number one for second week on a Thanksgiving opening. It has, like, 102 or something like that. That movie wow. was huge. <laughs> Moana is second place of 82. Nice. Third place is Toy Story 2. 80. Mm-hmm. Coco yeah, is I'm, now fourth place. So, like, since you're bringing up the box office, I'm kind of surprised that Coco didn't do better. I mean, the movie is getting great reviews, it, great word of mouth, it's Pixar, 
I mean, and it did fine, but you know, it's still. I mean, it 71... did. It, let's say, let's say it did really good. Like it, it's as I just yeah. mentioned, it's the fourth biggest Thanksgiving weekend opener ever. Like that's nothing. Okay. It's so nothing the, to frown the at. fifth biggest Thanksgiving opener is Tangled, and that came out seven years ago. So yeah, what does that leave Coco? I mean, there's a number of things. One is there's a lot of competition around it. I'll tell you one thing. I want to remember the songs in Coco and not not, and not remember the ones in Tangled. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> but there's, I think there's a, there's a lot of competition around it. I think the Frozen thing is honestly part of the problem for one reason, and I I think it reflects kind of the uh, Pixar's the dimming. Is, uh, I mean, I think the nation is racist. That's my experience. there's another. Uh, there's See, I was gonna say that there's, there's another issue that, that factors in. Nobody cares. What it's, is uh, Aaron saying? It play it plays a, it plays a role as far as. What people inherently want to go and see, and what they choose not to see, and now that's an issue. But you know, that said, it's still it, it's making its money. It's doing a good job, and the word of mouth is going to be very strong. So it's going to keep going. Yeah, I'm interested to see the the legs for Coco because I think it could even expand beyond what you might be able to predict. Yeah, and I think it helps that there's really nothing in wide release coming out until Star Wars. I mean, so it's not much. It's not much competition beyond the stuff that's already out with it. So. Don't don't belittle Darkest Hour. It's gonna break out next week. It's, not, it's not an opener. Like, Darkest Hour, <laughs> which is great, by the way. I, I heartily recommend Darkest Hour. It's really good. Um, anyway, let's move on. Let's get down now. Presents out now. now. Uh, this is where we go over some of the movies movies coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. Uh, first up, Logan Lucky. I was a big fan of Logan Lucky. Nobody else, Aaron A. You was fine. Did that say that again? I, I, you cut off for a second. Logan Lucky on Blu-ray and DVD this week. Oh, it was great. I had a big time. I had a, there was one scene I didn't like, but everything else was great. Also out, Tulip Fever. Finally, guys. He can, he can own Tulip Fever. It's here. Don't judge. Yeah. Who saw that? Uh, Did you see it? Anybody nope. see it? I'm, I'm sure the, 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 the critics that raced to see the movie after not getting an invite for any screening, because they didn't have any um, after the movie was delayed for you know three years, um, they, they, they raced to see it. I don't even think Christoph Waltz wanted to go see it. He's a star of the movie, by the way. I don't know if anybody knows that or not. It's a it's a Dane DeHaan, uh, Vikander, Waltz uh, three three way joint. That's that's why I believe the the film is. It has all of them. Barf. Uh, next up, Woodshock. It's a movie with Chris, Kirsten Dunst. I don't know anyone that saw this movie. I, I and I heard really bad things about it, but it's out now, so you can check it out for yourself. Uh, moving on, the Defiant Ones, the document, the HBO documentary about Jerry Iovine and Dr. Dre. Did anyone else watch this? Because I watched it and I thought it was really good. No, it's on my list. It's like a, it's like a three part. Is it three parts? I think it's three parts. Uh, it's like a multiple part series though, but it's really good. It just goes over the careers of both Jerry Iovine and Dr. Dre and their eventual collaboration together with you know making Dre a billionaire and all that. Um, let's see, on one, out on Warner Archive this week, Doc Hollywood, Michael J. Fox oh. and Doc Hollywood. Which is what Cars is a remake of in like the first half of it, but uh, yeah, Doc Hollywood. Uh, let's see on Scream Factory this week, Misery out on Blu-ray. Kathy Bates, James Caan, Misery. <laughs> and uh, lastly, uh, Gilmore Girls: colon, A Year in the Life. If you don't have Netflix and you really want to see what those Gilmore Girls were up to, you can now you can now get that. So there you go. And okay, that's what's out now. Let's move on to extremely cool. These are things that are coming out on streaming. This week, first up, Cuba and the Cameraman. This is a documentary that goes over 
I believe like a, a couple families uh, throughout the kind of years in Cuba and how things have changed and evolved uh, in the, from like the 70s and onward. And I'm really interested in checking this one out. It sounds uh, kind of fascinating. And also, uh, She's Gotta Have It, Spike Lee's TV adaptation of his debut film uh, from like 1986, 84. Um, and he's made a 10-episode Netflix series about it, or based upon it, and kind of up, up, the, uh, up to, to modern times. Um, I've seen the first couple episodes. I'm a big Spike Lee fan in general. Um, I, I honestly, I think he's, despite having a lesser of an output as far as quality in recent years, although I did really like Chirac, I think he's somewhat unheralded as far as how good he can be at being an original filmmaker, uh, regardless of whatever headlines he makes for yelling at people in various weeks. But I, uh, I, I'm happy to see him kind of expand, you know, expand into something like this where he can really kind of tell a long form story and see how that goes for him. But uh, yeah. Let's see. Next week, next week's show, um, we are probably going to be talking three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, as well as Lady Bird, um, because there isn't much coming out next week, and those are fairly wide at this point. And I certainly recommend seeing all of those, not only because of our conversation that's going to be about them, because obviously that's the reason you'd go to see the movies, but because they're just really good movies that you should go and see. Uh, so with that said, yeah, that's probably going to be the main review for next week, although there are plenty of films coming out, so we'll probably have little episodes or things focused on other award contenders that are coming on coming weeks um but yeah the last thing we do here what should people go and see now and what do you plan to see next start with mark hope and hark what should people go and see in theaters right now i mean obviously coco that's that's the movie to see all right what do you see next and those two movies that you're going to be reviewing next week I, I still need to see ladybird and then uh three billboards uh is also something i plan on seeing so i'll probably see that in the next next week at least one of those I know you will be championing for like the next months up until the Oscars, but we'll see. I'll, I'll be curious what your reactions are. Oh, it has to be Lady Bird. <laughs> I mean, I, I adore Saoirse Ronan, so I can't imagine uh, not enjoying that, but we'll see. The, the Three Billboards movie, I mean, I'm open to it. It's just that Frances McDormand, she seems so unpleasant in that trailer, so it seems hard for me to like – championing her like thing but we'll see i mean you've seen it right i've seen it twice okay and <laughs> and is francis mcdormand like kind of an unpleasant woman Doesn't she have i mean the the nature right of her character the the nate yes yeah. i guess you have a right to be the nature of her character doesn't make you be like i need to go hang out with her but the at the same time but as but as far as as far as time with this woman as far we'll, as far as the movie goes i was right. I, I was very much entertained by her presence throughout it let alone other characters in that movie yeah i've i've heard some really good things about it and and details about the film that make me think i'm gonna enjoy it but it's it's just like the trailer initially it didn't excite me I, I am in the Martin McDonough wheelhouse. I am just happy to see anything he does. And this is certainly more in Bruges than Seven Psychopaths, if that makes any difference. Good. But, uh, uh, Alan, what do you see? What, what do people see in theaters right now? Uh, Coco. What do you see next? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They should go see the Frozen Olaf Adventure. <laughs> so they can say they can cleanse the palate and then enjoy Coco. Um, I am going to go see Through Billboards probably tomorrow night. All right. Because I had to wait until this week to get it released out here. And they filmed and it there, too. The, <laughs> I know. I'm really excited. I think I know where they filmed uh, pieces of it. I think I drove through it today. And um, probably Lady Bird right after that. And then Florida Project. And then Darkest Hour. In that order. All right. David, what should people see in theaters right now? I really want to see Coco again. 
for a third time, but this time I really want to drag my parents to see it because I, I just want to. Um, I still need to see Justice League. I have no, you, you don't need to, don't see, need to it. see that. No. Okay, I still, Skip I it. still will just because uh. you know it's like a, I feel like I need to be able to talk about it because you know it's, that's why I want it. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I, I don't want to be kept out of the conversation. I just I need to be able to hate you, on. You want to get all those mustache the, jokes? Is there? A yeah. I I don't know if there is. Most well, of the podcasts I listened friends. to talked about it. There's so this I conversation every way I turn about Justice League, regardless of what people thought of the movie. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I conversation do want to about see, it right now. I, yeah, exactly. And I want to see how the comparisons to that and Avengers and just I don't know. I just there's there's something about it that's really geeky and just like I need I need to see how bad this is because I but, just need it. You know, okay, you so learn something about it. If that makes sense, like David, go, yeah. like go yeah. see it. Go see it. Yeah, you, you, it won't I, be I, good, I, but at least go to a matinee right, and spend exactly. six bucks on it. Yeah, so just, I know it's not going to be great, but I just I, it's one of those things I still need to see it. Yeah, I it's, mean, if you have Movie Pass, it's just that simple. Right, yeah. that's a, that's the second thing. Somebody did give me tickets through their Movie Pass, but I had to give them up because I had something else to do. But, this is the right choice. So as far as what I think people should go and see in theaters this week, um, <laughs> if if you need something mainstream that's available for everybody, Coco. If you can find something that's a little lesser mainstream, Lady Bird and Three Billboards. And if you don't even feel like leaving the house, Mudbound is terrific. And you can watch that on Netflix right away. Man. You can watch it right now. Like, it's not that hard. <laughs> it's, and it's really good. It's depressing a bit, but it's still a good movie. Uh, as far as what I'm seeing next, I got the, I have the Spielberg movie and Paul Thomas Anderson's movie like this week. So it's like, it's a big week as Ooh, far as things I get to see. I got the post what and days Panther is, thread. What day's the post? Tomorrow. I'm seeing to- the post tomorrow. I'm flying in. <laughs> You're flying in. Okay. Oh. You have no idea. I'm fucking pumped. I'm so excited. I'm more excited about the soundtrack. It's another John Williams score. <laughs> yeah. It's an aspect I'm looking forward to. A lot of aspects I'm looking forward to. Yeah. But it's a yeah, it's a it's a packed week as far as big movies I'm looking forward to. And with that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode about Now There and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodedseat.com. Everything I do can be found there. You can also find me writing at weliveentertainment.com, and you can find me at Twitter at AaronsPS4. Mark Hoban, where can people find more of your work online? You can find more of my work on fastfilmreviews.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. David, yeah, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, I'm mostly all theme park stuff, but it's endorexpress.net. And if you like tiki bars and whatnot, you can follow my Instagram at Enchanted Tiki Bar. Ooh. Alan Aguilera. Whoa. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at Aldo Rain, which is A L D O R A Y N E. Or you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Aldo Rain. Same thing, where I mostly just retweet people and occasionally have an original thought. Um, <laughs> And stay tuned because I'm really going to try to figure out how to get screeners because I really hate not getting movies. Start writing more. There's your key right there. Uh, that's so much like work though. <laughs> then film yeah, your man, film, man, film, man, film your talk, face I, saying I, I, stuff yeah. about movies and make it viral. There you go. Yeah, all my dumb shit. Like I really just unabashedly from Charlotte. Like whatever, it doesn't matter. But I never get screeners for the things I really want. Like I want a screener for the post, and I yeah. want. Yeah, I, I'm not getting the things that like well, I did get Itania, which is early, but it's getting screeners is new to me now that I'm in the uh, the Los Angeles Online Film <laughs> Critics Society Guild, and like I got the the Fox Searchlight screener set came in for me this week, where I got three billboards and Shape of Water, and it came with the soundtracks Ooh. and the script. I was like, this is cool, like this is, this is awesome. Got all these little goodies and yeah. stuff. If I start writing today in like six years, I can get screeners. This will be great. <laughs> yeah. 
But no, like I got the Florida project. I was like, okay, that's cool. Oh, that's like, cool. Anyway, you can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe over on iTunes as well as Audio Boom. Feel free to email us over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow our Facebook page or Twitter at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. Uh, send plenty of gifts over to us at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com, specifically ones related to clowns. And if you can, you know, somehow make it so pictures of Abe have clowns on them, that'd be great too on our on our Tumblr page. It just, you know, all, all of that be great. Abe loves it. He's not frightened. He's not hanging out under his sheets at night because he's so scared of clowns. It's, you know, it's not a problem at all. Uh, so yeah, that's going to do it for this week's show. Alan, Mark, David, thank you all for joining me today. Thank You're you for welcome. having me. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Of course. Glad to have you guys on. And until next time when we get to, what are we talking? Until we get to the, the billboards and the birds and all that, that's going to do it. So until then, so long and goodbye. What color is the sky? I'm your amor, I'm your amor. You tell me that it's red. I'm your amor, I'm your amor. Where should I put my shoes? I'm your amor, I'm your amor. You say, put them on your head. I'm your amor, I'm your amor. You make me un poco loco, un poquititito loco. The way you keep me guessing, I'm nodding and I'm guessing. I'll count it as a blessing that I'm only un poco loco. you make me it is just a coco crazy the sense that you're not making the liberties you're taking leaves my goddess is shaking you are just un poco loco Aaron and Alan, what is your favorite part about Justice League? About um, Justice League? Henry Cavill's CGI lip. <laughs> uh, there's a lot um, of things I, I mean, again, I like the movie. I, I understand its flaws. It's not a it's not a giant recommendation I would make, but at the same time, I did walk out thinking, okay, that was fun enough. Which yeah, it's it's sad that it's sad that that's the kind of it just hits the check marks barely on the clipboard to make it recommendable. But yes, it's not, it's 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 one that I still enjoy nonetheless. As far as a performance and a character that I actually like thought was interesting, I would say Ezra Miller as the Flash. Yeah. And yeah, and I don't know if everybody would agree with that because I I saw negative things being said about him on Twitter, but I those are fewer thought, and far well, between. I would giving say. Us He's giving us emotion, and he's giving us some humor, and so I, I can enjoy that. Hey. I mean, even Wonder Woman. I mean, as great as yeah. Wonder Woman, the standalone film was, she's – there's nothing here. I mean, she's just in action mode. She doesn't have – what made her great in the her standalone film was that she realized that what makes you superhero isn't the fact that you just have superpowers. It, it takes more than that. But in this film, the character is reduced to just, I'm just going to, like, fight crime. I mean, she's the mom of the group, and it was. She's nothing. 
She is yeah. absolutely nothing. I mean, she didn't do anything bad, but I mean, when she you see Wonder Woman and then you see this is not even the same character anymore. I mean, they totally I mean, it's everything for Patty Jenkins and the way that she directed uh, that film. And it, it I mean, if Wonder Woman gets a Best Picture nomination, I'm, I would be fine with it. Like it, just a, mm. as a slap. No, as a slap uh, in the face to Justice League because it's 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 night and day. I mean, they're, the two yeah. films are not even – you cannot believe these are part of the same universe, and they're not even remotely similar. I mean, one gets it right, and the other is just completely like just – Wonder Woman gets all the melodrama right. With Justice League, I'll run it down really quick. Batman and Wonder Woman – Batman was terrible. I couldn't, I couldn't get into it, and I was into it for Batman for Superman. Um, the Flash isn't Barry Allen from the comic books, which I think a lot of people are upset about, but I enjoyed Ezra Miller's take we, on we, it. We described him more as Wally West last week on the show. Yeah, he's 100% Wally West. And then Aquaman was their Thor, and it was fine. Um, Superman's <laughs> in it, and the report part uh, – like some parts were good, some parts weren't. But overall, I think – I can't recommend it to people, but I was I didn't hate that I watched it, if that makes sense. Like, David, go, yeah. like, go yeah. see it. Go see it. Yeah, you, you, it won't I, be I, good, I, but at least go to a matinee. Right, exactly. Six bucks on it. Yeah. So I'll I just... know it's not going to be great, but I just, I, it's one of those things I still need to see it. Yeah. I it's... mean, if you have Movie Pass, it's just that simple. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a sucky thing. Somebody did give me tickets through their Movie Pass, but I had to give them up because I had something else to do. But... This is the right choice. So as far <laughs> as what I think people should go and see at theaters this week, um, 